born to die, He might give eternal life that I might live, then rose again. Welcome to Yankee Arnold Ministries. Dr. Arnold will be with you in just a moment, but first, we want you to know how much we appreciate your prayers and financial support. You may help this radio ministry by donating online at yankeearnold.com or by mail at Yankee Arnold Ministries, 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634. Again, that's 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634. Feel free to send Dr. Arnold your questions or comments to yankee at yankeearnold.com, and he will respond as quickly as possible. Now, here is Dr. Arnold with today's message. For Jesus saved my soul that night. There's a couple of little thoughts for you to take away for us. Rainy day. Many folks want to serve God, but only as an advisor. Can you imagine that? Advising God on what God needs to do. You think God needs all our advice? The Bible says that in the beginning, after the counsel of his own will, in other words, God decided it without our help. Another statement, some minds are like concrete, thoroughly mixed up and permanently set. You don't know anybody like that, do you? God loves everyone, but probably prefers fruits of the Spirit over nuts. Opportunities may knock once, but temptation bangs on the front door forever. Here's a good one for you. Quit griping about your church. If it was perfect, you couldn't belong. Somebody's always looking for that perfect church. They just can't seem to find it anywhere. If your church needs a better pastor, it needs only to pray for the one it has. I like that one. God himself doesn't propose to judge a man until he's dead. Maybe we ought to wait. We don't change the message. The message changes us. That's pretty good. Another good statement, don't wait for six strong men to take you to church. Oh, well, that's just a few thoughts to think about while I'm preaching my message. But we're going to start off there in Peter. So turn in the Bible to 2 Peter, 2 Peter. And we're going to look at a a few little statements. Because, you know, missionary conference is over now. But really, what we were after is just beginning. I was going to put a sign on the back door back there. As you go out the doors, you're now entering into the mission field. Because the mission field is not 3,000 miles away. It's right outside of them doors. So what the second coming of Christ, what it does for me, and how that we should never forget, not only are our days numbered, either by death, Or by the rapture. It's going to end. Our time on earth. One day. It's going to end. It'll all be over. 
So 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 1. Because we want to look at a couple of verses that kind of deals with what Christians are supposed to look for and why. In verse 1, this second epistle, beloved, I now write unto you, in both which I stir up your pure minds by way of remembrance. You see, sometimes the preacher don't always have to try to present something new. Sometimes it's to tell you the old things you already know and remind you. And you'll find that one of the biggest problems that Israel had is that they forgot. He says they forgot God. They, they forget to read and to study and to be faithful. They, they forget. It's just like as we get older sometimes, do you find a hard time remembering all the things you're supposed to remember? I had a couple of points, that I, but I forgot them already. And I was always taking this, uh, you know, this memory pill. But I keep forgetting to take the memory pill. So look at verse 2. That ye may be mindful of the words which were spoken before by the holy prophets and of the commandments as are of us the apostles of the Lord and Savior. Knowing this first, that there shall come in the last days scoffers walking after their own lust, saying, what are they saying? Where is the promise of his coming or the fulfillment of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of the creation. Nothing's changed. And for 2,000 years, we've heard Jesus is coming. I've heard it all my life since I've trusted Christ as my Savior. I've been preaching it for 59 years and talking about it. And he hasn't got here yet. So that means he's not coming. No, it just means that we're 59 years closer to his coming. But he is coming. Now, look down in verse 10. But the day of the Lord. The day of the Lord is generally a term that's used after the tribulation period or in the, in the tribulation period. Sometimes the whole thing, sometimes into the millennium, and sometimes it's a reference to the specific day when the Lord comes at the end of the tribulation period. The day of the Lord shall come as a thief in the night, in the which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise, and the elements shall melt with fervor and heat. The earth also and the works that are therein shall be burned up. So all these things, you're talking about global warming, it's going to get warm on the earth. People's bodies are going to be, they're going to have some nice little blisters on them. And so there's a dark day coming. Al Gore needs to read this. And he's not going to be able to stop it. Verse 11. Now the word seeing, you need to see. And he's talking about something that's down the road, but Seeing what's going to happen to this world. Seeing that this world's not going to get better and better and better. We're not down here trying to establish the kingdom of God on the earth by the church. Now the kingdom is coming. And the king is going to come and the king is going to set up his kingdom. We are working for the Lord. But we're not going to bring in a kingdom upon the earth. It's just not going to happen. So we're not down here trying to, you know, go into all the world and install sanitary sewers. You can do those things, but that's not going to bring in the kingdom. This period of time in which we live is to try to win as many people to Christ as we possibly can. That becomes our all-consuming goal. Then he says in verse 11, Seeing then that all these things 
which be dissolved, or shall be dissolved, get the next part. What manner of persons ought ye to be in all holy behavior, manner of life, and godliness? In other words, if this world is going to end, if this world is going to be destroyed, and it is, how is what's going to happen in the future supposed to affect me that's living now? So he says, what kind of a person should I be if this is true? Should I try to store up all the wealth in the world in this life? No, because we're not going to live forever. You may never get to enjoy some of the things you think you're going to enjoy. We may die sooner than you think. The Lord could come back at any moment. Here he's referring to when he comes back at the end of the tribulation period. But even though that's what's going to happen upon the earth, what kind of a person should I be? So look what he says. So that's why my note there makes me look until he comes. And these are verses that deals with looking and seeing. You see there in verse 12, the first word, looking for and hasting unto the coming of the day of God, wherein the heavens been on fire shall be dissolved, and the elements shall melt with fervor and heat. Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for new heavens and a new earth wherein dwelleth righteousness. Now, this may not be fulfilled in our lifetime. Chances are we won't see it in our lifetime because we're going to be either dead or the rapture and never see some of the things that are going to take place. But he says, we're looking for something beyond this life, out into eternity. Then look what he says there in verse 14. Wherefore, beloved, seeing that ye look, seeing that ye look for such things, be diligent. In other words, our understanding of future things are supposed to make a difference in our lifetime now. Because, see, if we lose sight of the Lord coming back and this world being destroyed, we might just fall in love with the world that's going to be all burned up someday and we'll find that we've lost our life. We've wasted our time. Live for something that wasn't right. So he says, Seeing that you see this and you understand this, be diligent because it's not automatic. It's not an automatic thing for all of God's children to faithfully serve the Lord. So he says, be diligent that you may be found of him in peace without spot and blameless. That's how we're supposed to live now. Wouldn't it be great if all of God's children did? So can the looking forward to the Lord coming make a difference on how I consider my decisions, the consequences of my decisions, and the eternal value of serving the Lord? And so this is why this is so important. So he says we're supposed to know this and understand this. Now, look back there at your notes. Letter A, looking for that blessed hope. Now, I do want you to see this verse because it's so important. Look in Titus chapter 2. The book of Titus in chapter 2, right after the, you know, the other Thessalonians and Timothy and then Titus. And you'll see the book of Titus in chapter 2. Now, we know that the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men. That's found right there in verse 11. But the same grace that taught us to trust Christ as Savior by grace, this grace that God had for us, even in regards to how bad we were, now the same grace 
teaches us to live by grace. In other words, how God saw us, we may see others, but the grace that God had for us and the forgiveness that he had for us, we're supposed to extend that grace to other people that don't deserve it. You see, we don't serve people because they deserve it. We do it because God says to do it. And he gave us a teaching lesson. He did it for us and he forgave us. So therefore he says, forgiving one another. So look what he says in verse 12. Teaching us that denying ungodliness. Now we know that looking for the Lord is supposed to teach us how to live now. Teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust. That means you can have all these things. You can live ungodly. You can have worldly lust. We should, should. You ought to underline the word should. Not you have to, but you should. You should live soberly. That means of a sound mind. Righteously and godly when? Well, the next two words tells you what? In this present world. But he's telling you, look beyond this life because it's the key to living in the present life. And so he says there in verse 13, what are we supposed to look for? See, if you're looking for the Lord, you're realizing, I don't have forever. My time is short. It could be cut short because of, you know, I could grow old and die. But I'm also supposed to understand that the Lord could come for me at any moment. And instead of me thinking, well, I've got a lot of time. You may not have no more than 24 hours. You may not even make it home tonight. Because according to this verse, looking for that blessed hope. That blessed hope. Now, we're not looking for the blessed tribulation period. We're looking for the blessed hope. And get what he says. And the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. We're looking for the glorious appearing of Jesus Christ. He could come at any time. Now, get this. And here's why. Who gave himself for us. That means he died, was buried, rose again, ascended, and is coming for us. And so he says that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto himself a peculiar people, zealous of good works. So God's will is for us to look to him, live a godly life. And he says, command people to do this. That's what he says there in verse 15, as he tells young Titus. Exhort with all authority. You can tell this, teach this. Comfort one another with these words, as it says in Thessalonians. Look at the next statement. Look at number two. Makes me pray until he comes. Remember whenever we take the um, Lord's Supper, we look back to what he has done, and it says, till he comes. How long do we do this? Till he comes. But we're to do this because we're looking until he comes. Because looking to the Lord, there's a something that we should always do. And so the first few words there at letter A, to pray is to war. When you pray, you are at war because you want victory. You want something. Something you can't have just because you work for something. There is something that can be accomplished through prayer that cannot be accomplished any other way. 
And you'd be surprised the power that people have at their disposal, and they don't use it. When he says, you know, go to the throne of grace that you may obtain help in time of need. In other words, there is a place that you and I can go to and get all the grace that we need in time of need. The other night, Jesse was talking about that little statement, uh, my grace is sufficient for thee. What he was talking about a little bit down further in that verse in 2 Corinthians chapter 12 was the uh, phrase, that the power of Christ may rest upon me. You see, we're weak in ourselves, but we're to be strong in the Lord, in the power of his might. And when you talk about living by grace means living by the power of God that we don't deserve. We didn't do anything to get it. Living by grace is living by the power of God. And that's why God says, my grace is sufficient means my power is sufficient for you. And so we're supposed to live our lives believing that God's grace, God's power is sufficient for whatever he wants me to do. So that our sufficiency is of the Lord. In other words, we can do this. Whatever it is God wants us to do, we can do it. And God promises us that. I want you to take your Bible look in Luke 21. Luke chapter 21. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. But the book of Luke chapter 21. Luke 21. And you'll see that letter C there where Jesus says to those in the tribulation period. Watch ye therefore and pray. This is a very important scripture to the Jewish people in the tribulation period, because you see, Christ is coming back twice. He's coming back for us, and there's things to know, and there's things that you need to know about Christ coming back to the earth for those people that are going to be living during the tribulation period. And so he tells them things to look for also. But some of those things he tells them, it wouldn't hurt us to know about. And to also, we can apply a lot of things to us that applies to those people in the tribulation. This is one of them. I want you to look there in verse 25. Verse 25, he's talking about, and here's Jesus telling about the seven-year tribulation period upon the earth. And that he's going to come back to the earth in power, in great glory. Every eye will see him. But he says, right before I get here, let me tell you some things that are going to happen so that it might refresh people's minds. He knows what's going on. You see, he knows the future. And so he says here in verse 25, And there shall be signs in the sun and in the moon and in the stars, and upon the earth distress of nations with perplexity, the sea and the waves roaring. In other words, people seeing perplexity, problems with no solutions. That's just about where we are now in this world. People don't have the answers. They don't have solutions to our problems and every time they try to solve something, it creates three more problems. The world is a mess. In the book of Ezekiel, in chapter 38 and 39, tells about the nations that are going to come down against Israel from out of the north. And it just so happens to be Russia and a place called Turkey. And Iraq and Iran. The Persian country. And Ethiopia. Those are the ones that are with Russia now. And even though we're trying to have some kind of peace in the Middle East, 
Russia is also having a part in trying to keep the peace in Syria. Aren't we glad? But you know, this has got to come about because we know how it's supposed to end. They're going to come down against Israel. And things are being set. The world stage. It's exciting. But see, God's already told us about the future. He's already told us that there's going to be the seven-year tribulation period. He told us it's going to be bad. So he says there in verse 26, men's hearts failing them, and look at the next few words, for fear. People being afraid because they don't know what's going to happen in the future. And they become worried. And look at this. And for looking after those things which are coming on the earth, for the powers of heaven shall be shaken. And the Bible talks about the earth will reel back and forth as a drunk man. Like the earth is going to be shaken upon its axis. And you can picture the earth wobbling as it goes in our circuit around us. So he says in verse 27, And then, and then, shall they see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. Now the cloud, I don't think if you see the, the Lord coming back, you know when he's out there, oh, about uh, oh, 20 light years away. I don't know how far they'll be able to detect him coming. But it says they'll see him coming before he ever gets here. And in the clouds of glory, uh, that could be the Shekinah glory. I don't know, but I don't think it's rain clouds. I mean, he's just coming by Mars. He's got a rain cloud over him. But the cloud could be the cloud of witnesses that he's bringing back. And when he comes back to the earth, he's riding a white horse. I'm on the one right behind him. Louis on the other one, and he's about a half mile back. Now, don't forget Angel. Now, he's riding the donkey. He's way back there, about two miles. He'll, he'll take him. He'll, he'll take him. But get this. In verse 28, and when these things begin to come to pass, then look up, lift up your eyes, for your redemption draweth nigh. In other words, Jesus is coming back to the earth. If he's coming back to the earth and the world is getting the stage set, and we go out before that, seven years before this, the rapture, I believe, must be close. But Dr. Hank Lindstrom, the pastor of this church before I got here for 42 years, taught it. He would even have the people stand up and practice their wings in case when the rapture takes place, you're ready to go. So when's the last time y'all have practiced and rehearsed? You know, I was kind of concerned there for a while when I couldn't move my arm up. The rapture takes place and I just got one arm going and I just keep going in a circle. I'll be there in a minute. (laughs) Oh, well, we'll move right along. You liked it, though, didn't you? Uh, Yeah, she's still laughing. But anyway, now, verse 29 talks about when you see the fig tree. But it doesn't just say the fig tree, which many believe it's a reference toward the nation of Israel. But it's also mentioned in all the other trees. In other words, in the springtime, when you see the leaves starting to come forth on some, you know that it's summer's nigh. He said, when you see these signs starting to take place, you know it's close. Get ready. Be prepared. Here I come. Ready or not. You ever play that game? You're supposed to hide. Hide and seek. And whoever's supposed to hide, they say, count to 100. 10, 20, 30, 40, 50, 60, 70, 80, 90, 100. Here I come. And I used to play that with Eddie and Trina and David. And I says, 
where are you? And Eddie would say, over here. Eddie, you're not supposed to tell me where you are. Well, you asked. And he was always told to obey his parents. I said, now we're going to play, but don't answer. Don't tell me where you are. Here I come, ready or not. Here I come. Where are you? Over here. It didn't matter. He probably still would not play that game right even to this day. So this is what's going to happen. Now look in verse 34. Verse 34. Take heed to yourselves. Lest at any time your hearts be overcharged with surfeiting. In other words, so much worry, so much fret, so much intoxication with the problems of this world. Have you ever seen a man drink and then drink too much? It's a person who can see there's a problem. But when you see so many problems, some people have a mental breakdown. They can't handle it. Have you ever seen somebody say, that's the last straw, I can't take it anymore? You'd be surprised. But the whole world is going to be like this. In other words, he says it's going to be a snare that comes upon the whole earth. Remember when Jesus was here and they told Pilate, he says, let his blood be upon us and our children. And buddy, they got in their wish. For 2,000 years, they've been out of land. They've finally gone back to the land, but they're back in unbelief. So God has used other nations as a rod to spank his children, the nation of Israel, his people. And then he's going to use the son who's coming with a rod in his hand to chasten the people that chastened his people. And so that's why there's going to be a battle of Armageddon. And so he makes this statement here. That day come upon you unawares. In other words, if you're looking and ready and you're prepared and you've seen the signs, you can know when it is. Now, for the rapture, there are no signs. When he comes at the end of the tribulation period, there's a lot of signs. He tells them about the sun and he tells them about the moon. He tells them about the Antichrist in the temple in Jerusalem. And when ye shall see, therefore, the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet, sent in the holy place, then ye that in Judea flee. And I believe that's when they head to a place called Petra. Look what he says in verse 35. Is this going to be a tribulation that's going to take place in just a, a little local place upon the earth? One little country. For as a snare, this tribulation period, shall it come upon all them that dwell on the face of the whole earth. It's going to be a global problem. I mean, the oceans, the rivers, there's things that are in them. He says, and they're going to die. The trees, green, going to be burnt. There's going to be a nuclear war. That's why in the book of Zechariah, chapter 14, verse 12, he says, And this shall be the plague, wherewith God will smite all nations who came against Jerusalem to battle. And God says, And while they stand upon their feet, their eyes will consume away in their holes. And their flesh will come off their bones. Now what kind of a a battle must they have had? Bows and arrows? And he says, and there's going to time coming down the road later. It it will melt with fervent heat. A lot of noise, fervent heat, and cracking apart of the elements. You've got yourself a nuclear war. But anyway, back here he makes a statement in verse 36. Watch ye therefore. And pray always that you may be accounted worthy to escape all these things that shall come to pass and to stand before the Son of Man. This is to the people during the tribulation period. 
And if they trust Christ as their Savior, when the seven-year tribulation period is over, then they'll be able to stand before the Son of Man because He's coming and they'll be able to see Him coming. And then there'll be a judgment of the nations. Those individual believers from different nations who trust the Lord will get to go into the kingdom upon the earth. And Israel will believe on the Lord. Have you ever heard preachers tell you that you must turn from sins to be saved and go to heaven? Does that mean you must turn from only the big sins or all sins before God will save you? Pastor Yankee Arnold has prepared just the right book with answers straight from the Bible. The book is called Gospel Driven Man, and Pastor Yankee wants to send it to you free of charge. Simply write to Pastor Yankee at Yankee Arnold Ministries, 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634, and request the book or request by email at yankee at yankeearnold.com. That's yankee at yankeearnold.com. Thanks for listening to today's broadcast. We pray that today's message was a blessing to you and your family. You may help support this radio ministry by donating online at yankeearnold.com or by mail at Yankee Arnold Ministries, 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634. Friend, one day it will happen. The trumpet will sound, and we will be changed, caught up to meet the Lord in the air. So live today and every day, believing that the Lord is coming soon, and just keep looking up. Amazing grace amazes me.